0: When you Angie that, download the free Angie Mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's angi.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow
0: sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash offer.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Worst First. Yeah, it's a big audience here for you today.
1: Love the people.
2: Guys, my guest doesn't really need an introduction. He's the king of podcasts, Adam Carolla. So happy to have you here.
1: Thank you, my queen.
2: Yes, that's Mm -hmm. right. (laughs) I I did your podcast like a week ago.
1: I know. I love it when you're on.
2: I love coming on. I love talking about my my anxious, neurotic personality on your podcast.
1: (laughs) Yes, I see the pool outside that you could easily dip yourself into and have all your anxieties... Wash away like a baptism.
2: <laughs> Guys, so I obviously everyone that listens to this podcast knows that I have a panic, panic disorder, which I haven't had one in really long, so I'm doing well.
1: The day is young.
2: <laughs> so Adam was like, you know, you should do, um, what's it called again? It's called a...
1: Your swimming pool when it's cold.
2: Your swimming pool when it's Cold, cold plunging.
1: Cold plunging. So yes.
2: the secret is cold plunging, apparently, because it kind of resets your nervous system.
1: I don't I don't know that it's the secret to anything. <laughs> what what I do know is there's more and more science every year that it's good. It's right. good for your body, but it's good for your brain. Uh, I'm not into the spiritual, you know, Wim Hof breathing techniques or anything. I don't do any of that. Okay, I just made a deal with myself that I will get into that cold pool every single morning before I do anything else. And first things first, you are awake, like when you get out. Like, you know, all those early calls, you're driving to the airport, and you don't even remember yeah. the drive, or you keep thinking like, what did I forget? Because yeah. your brain's all scrambled. You get woken up like, like that, number one. Wow. Probably has some physiological stuff, but it's more of just sort of like, I'm in control. This is uncomfortable cold it's rainy outside i live in the foothills it'll get down into the 30s at night and i'm like i'm in
2: and you do it every day
1: every single day
2: i feel like you're gonna live forever because i feel like it does something to your nervous system like i feel like it resets you
1: um i don't think there's any data to back up that claim (laughs) but and i I hope i don't want to live forever because i feel like um Life has gotten. I mean, my life is fine, but I feel like our society has fallen apart. Like the last two and a half years, and I don't know what we're going to be like in fifty years.
2: Are you scared for your kids? Like when they're adults, how what's the world going to be like?
1: If I was a better parent, I would be scared for my kids. (laughs) That's what I want to say.
2: No, I. You know, it's so interesting because I always felt like the cold plunge thing was such a like a hoo ha rich people thing because you like go to a rich person's house and they're like, "This is my cold plunge," and. I didn't realize it was actually a thing, but I did it a couple times. I didn't go under. Do you go under? You
1: got to go. All right. The, here's my key. Okay. First off, you need a plan. Like you, you can't be switching it up every, every week Okay. or every day. So here are the rules. Okay. You must do it before you begin whatever it is you're doing that day. Okay. Now, some days you could be putzing around your palatial estate. <laughs> And essentially have nothing to do before noon. Mm -hmm. Fine. You have nothing to do all day, but go to the Whole Foods or the Sprouts down the hill. Right. Okay. Before you go to the Whole Foods or the Sprouts, then you get in the pool. Other days might have to catch that 7 a.m. flight out of LAX to New York. Well, now you have to get in at 515. Wow. Those are the rules. You must get in. You must swim to one side. I swim to the deep end. I go under, I touch the drain, I skim along the bottom and I pop up on the shallow side and then I'm done. It's 90 seconds and I can get on with my day.
2: So I was doing it, but I wasn't going under and then I got a cold and I was like, fuck this. I did it for like a week. (laughs) I did it for a week. I'm such a wussy. And also like my hair is curly naturally and having to straighten it every day. Ugh. Oh. Being a girl, it's like mental health, hair,
1: yeah, that's a fortune for the dry bar lady. So.
2: Yeah, they are. They're like, all right, well, she chooses her hair over her mental health. So obviously we're winning.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so excited because you are like you are like the podcast king. I mean, you've been doing podcasts forever. And Uh, over 12 years. That's insane. I can't do it. I can't even. I've never had a relationship that's lasted longer than that. So that's amazing. Um, And I wanted to have you on because I want to hear some of your worsts. Mm. Because you said you have some worsts. You've been through some shit.
1: I didn't prep for the show. That's okay. But uh, there's plenty of bad. Yeah. In my life. Like
2: what's like the most, I mean, not to get dark, but what's like the most tragic thing that's ever happened to you?
1: It's weird. My life has been fairly tragedy free I have I I have a very small extended family Mm -hmm. um nobody knows each other or likes each other that much so you know it's like I had my uncles die in Philadelphia but I never met them right because I was out in California and my dad never went back and forth and they never went back and forth so that it's a death but it doesn't really go down as a tragedy um, I think my grandfather dying, I was very close to my grandfather. He was kind of the glue of the family. He my family's a little chaotic and yeah, they don't really care about one another, kids, whatever. It's, it's it's kind of poor and dumb and you know, bad parents. Uh-huh. But my grandfather like cooked and made oh. me sandwiches and was a good was a good dude. So I, I guess my grandfather dying would have been, you know, in the tragedy department.
2: Yeah. Do you, what is your, do you care about death at all? Or are you just kind of like, eh, it's going to happen one day. I'm not like worried about it. You don't think about it. You don't yeah, think I it's don't, a big deal.
1: I don't, I don't think about it. I don't, I'm not fear-based yeah. at all. Um, I don't want to die, but I don't, I don't have any real strong thoughts. I, I, I'm pretty good at not involving myself in thought and in things that I can't control.
2: That's smart.
1: So, you know, if I'm gonna get in an airplane crash, I'm gonna get an airplane crash or a car crash, a car crash. I I don't spend a lot of time Worrying. sort of fixating on stuff that I can't control, but I do spend time considerable amount of time thinking about things I can control. Okay. So but death I can't.
2: So you're like fuck that, not even gonna think about it.
1: Yeah, it would seem like it would seem like a oxymoronic to think about death. While you're alive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's so such a good way to look at it. No
1: one lays on their deathbed and uh, and thinks, thank God I obsessed on this moment for for my whole life. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Yeah. It's every not...
2: day. What if I die? Ah, what if it's the what ifs? That's the thing that you can't do is the what ifs, right? Like it's, it's not... all
1: I mean, it's also a, it's a kind of a narcissistic endeavor. Totally. If you, you think about it like you. What happens when you die? I don't know. Ten thousand people die every day in this country. It's like, well, I don't know. What about them?
2: What do you think happens afterwards? Like, what is your viewpoint?
1: Oh, I'm I'm pretty much just in a nothingness kind of world. You think that's it? I do, but... But
2: there's no spirits, no thought.
1: Well, I don't... um, So, it's another one of those subjects that falls under that heading of, I would like to be reborn in, uh, you know, I would like to come back in the form of a Labrador puppy that you and Tommy adopted. (laughs) That would be awesome.
2: Best life ever, by the way. Best life.
1: I can tell you guys love the shit out of your dogs. I could look up your skirt all day. (laughs) It would be... And no one would be the wiser. I mean, it would be awesome. Right? They have
2: the best lives. I I home cook oh,
1: their food. I,
2: I'm like, that, oh, they, I knew it. the dogs are out of the uh, Wagyu. Let me go to the store and get them some A5. To...
1: Oh, it's, they're and, so they're, and I could do no wrong. Like yeah. I would come in. I'm yeah. like, I got to head inside. <laughs> I got to take a shit. I could do no wrong. It's so true. You guys would love me unconditionally. Yeah.
2: Teeny just shit on the floor this morning. No
1: problem. She was
2: in doggy jail for two minutes and then she cried and I was like, don't cry. Yeah,
1: I'll give you those eyes. Yeah, you that's get it. me right out of Soon the crate.
2: You'd want to come back as a Labrador retriever. <laughs>
1: But not like in Mexico, you know, like I want you and Tommy right. to I don't want to be like the dog on the border. In you Puerto know?
2: Vallarta, just like, or sorry, I'm not even Puerto Tijuana. Vallarta. Tijuana. That's yeah, no,
1: not the dog that walks sideways. <laughs> that's missing no, a leg. Yeah, that's not just, that dog. No, just, no. Yeah. Your dog. I know,
2: I know. Yeah. But apparently like I, you know, I'm really into this stuff and I'm always reading about it. And there's this lady, Dolores Cannon, who I'm obsessed with. I don't know. Have you ever heard of her?
1: Is she a specialist on the afterlife? She is. Do you think I would hear no, somebody? exactly. Heard? Right. So
2: you've never heard of her. But anyway, she, she has this really interesting theory that we do reincarnate. Okay. Mm-hmm. And obviously we don't remember anything about the reincarnation because otherwise we wouldn't learn. And this whole life is a, a, is a learning experience to enrich our souls.
1: Have you ever seen the movie Defending Your Life by Albert Brooks?
2: No. Is it so good? I know Albert Brooks is a great director. Well,
1: you know, you and I have a rich history of me begging you to do things <laughs> and you ignoring my advice. Please. Watch this, this one, movie. Please do. I, I, I think it'll move you.
2: What's it about? Defending your life.
1: It's sort of like Dolores in the sense that what happens after you die? Yeah. And what happens after you die is you go to this sort of purgatory place, not fire and brimstone or anything, like a, like a nice hotel. Hmm. And then you review
2: your life. your life. She says this.
1: And you see, have you been courageous? When were you a coward? Have you, have you treated? You know. Yeah. And, and it's essentially a trial. And you get your lawyer yeah. and the state, the government, the heavens have theirs. Wow. And they're basically saying, look at this person. You know, and they're showing clips, you know, clips of, you know, the clip could be you find a wallet. You look around. You know. You open it up. You take the cash out and you throw it in the trash can or something, and look over your shoulder and walk away. That would be on their reel. And mm-hmm. On your reel would be the time you chase the purse snatcher down the street. You know, like that. And it's all fear based. So, wow. it, and and the people that are lived a fear based life end up going back to Earth with no memory of it. But unlike Dolores. The people that led the exemplary life move on.
2: No, she you says get, that. You get
1: to go to heaven. Your
2: soul gets, if your soul is enriched enough, she said this. Maybe she watched this well, movie. She, she started yeah.
1: saying it after 1991, that yeah. means she watched that movie.
2: That's insane. I didn't even think about that. I'll have to look when she wrote her first book. But, um But yeah, so. She says the same thing that if you did more bad than good or whatever, were found Mm -hmm. to be more, you know, like you had more lessons you needed to learn, then you go back and you keep Mm -hmm. going back. And she says there's no hell. So like when people can kill someone Mm -hmm. or do the most horrible shit, you don't go to hell. You just have to come back and relive this and keep going and going and going. And the more horrible things you do, the more times you have to come back. And this is essentially like the, the, the worst part.
1: Got to find out when she formulated that thought and when Defending her Life came out.
2: I'm totally going to look up Defending Your Life now. Oh, you're going to love it. That's so interesting. Yeah. So tell me more. What were you like in high school? Were you cool?
1: Um, I was a jock.
2: You I, were? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And you still were like a comedian?
1: I was a weird... I had this weird thing where I grew up in North Hollywood... My parents were poor and they're really bad parents. They just like eh, they didn't care about their kids. And we just kind of did what they what we did. And they didn't take care of us or, you know, do whatever it is parents are supposed to do. Right. So I had pretty low self-esteem, even though I was kind of good at some things. And I was uh, I was a good athlete. Mm-hmm. I was good at football, just sort of naturally. When I was a kid, I was just I just was better than the other kids mm-hmm. at, at football and, and sometimes kind of the way sports works. If you ever have, like you were watch like kids sports, you'll, you know, when they're nine or 10, you'll just see like one or two kids are like a little faster or a little more aggressive, yeah. like a little better. And the other ones are kind of bumping into each other. Yeah. And I was just the kid who was like a little stronger and a little faster. And I was just better at football. So I had nothing going on in my home life. and, So I just sort of got obsessed with football. So I was like, it was basically like, you're good at one thing. I was a horrible student. I didn't learn to read or write. I was very embarrassed. I was really a bad student. And then people think, oh, you're a smart guy. Why were you a bad student? Just trust me, bad.
2: Did you have a learning disability? No,
1: No. I I never learned to read or write. And
2: you don't still know how?
1: I, I taught myself later on in life because I had to because of my profession you know wow. when got show business and oh stuff I, write scripts I would
2: stuff. never think that so you were able to get through did you graduate high school and you still were just like i don't know
1: i graduated high school like if you want to know bad student i don't know anyone who never took an algebra class i never took an algebra class i took math
2: how did you get away with that
1: <laughs> they they sized me up and went you're taking high school math not not algebra I failed biology. I failed driver's ed. Like I graduated. I think I just looked it up the other day out of a graduating class of like 550. I was 498 or something. I was basically 500 out of 550. Oh my God. And believe me, 25 or 30 of those kids moved out of state or died or OD <laughs> or something like I was literally in the top, Literally out of uh, lowest 25 students at North Hollywood High out of 550. That, That was my graduating.
2: But you were great at football.
1: I was I was very great at football when I was a kid. Then I then then it was hard after sort of puberty kicked in and I didn't really come into my own and the competition got a lot stiffer. And then I sort of outworked everybody and made myself kind of great at the end, like enough to get some scholarships offers.
2: Well, that's great that you got scholarship offers. So like, well, he doesn't know how to read or write, but he can fucking throw a football. Yeah, (laughs) that's all America cares about.
1: It is. Yeah. So
2: did you go to college?
1: No. What
2: did you so so how did you end up? You start doing stand up.
1: Uh, Well, I I got out of high school. Um, It was a very bad economy and there were no jobs to be had. And my family doesn't have any business or do anything or take care of anybody or something, so I've just kind of wandered around um, supermarkets, liquor stores, you know, went to the fire station, tried to sign up to be a fireman. Like yeah. I, I literally just walked around my neighborhood, like looking for jobs. There were no, there were no jobs, and um, I got a call. I was living in my garage at my dad's house in North Hollywood, and I got a call one night from a friend of mine named John and he had gotten on to a very small construction crew and they're remodeling a house in Silver Lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just called and said they need some help. Like they need some labor, you know, digging ditches. And the worst job ever was the first thing I did. He said, you know, just you want to make 50 bucks, like show up. And I was like for the whole day. Well, it was it would have been. Seven bucks an hour, maybe Jesus. maybe eight bucks an hour, but taxes were being taken out. So probably walked with about fifty bucks a day. And I said, Yeah. Digging,
2: sure. digging ditches.
1: Well, the first thing I did was it was a it was a hill house in, in Silver Lake, like sort of on the side of the hill. And the first thing I did was tear all the ivy off the side of the house. Oh my god. And it was all full of soot and dust and rat droppings of it tear it all off and walk it up the hill and throw it in the dumpster. Then it got into ditch digging. And that that's what I did. I mean, literally ditch digging. Like, I, I don't know. We would work 10, 10 hour days. We work five, 10 hour days, sometimes on Saturday. And I don't know if people know what it's like to dig for 10 hours. But I mean, just dig. Like, just go outside and start digging. There was just no shovel. There's all, all you do. And then you get day. a lunch
2: break and then go back
1: exactly what you do yeah
2: hand hand digging not even you don't even have like a bobcat bobcat or anything right no yeah because some some houses you can't get one down there so you have to hand dig Ew, what a nightmare yeah so when did things turn around that's obviously your worst that was your worst job
1: uh i did that for over a decade (laughs) stop yeah
2: you did construction for 10 years
1: over 10 years
2: and then, when did you, when did everything happen for you?
1: Well, I, I was digging and, you know, moving drywall and clean up garbage and it was dirty and it was hot and wow. it didn't pay anything. And yeah. I was like, ugh, screw this. Like,
2: this is the worst.
1: Yeah, it was the worst. But I was like, well, what choices do you have? You have no jobs. You have no skills. You can barely read or write. Do you, you know no one anywhere? You know, some uncle that owns a car dealership or something, unless you wash cars or something. Jesus. So I was like, well, here you are. I mean, this is it. So you you can't quit because your stepmom wants to, to leave the garage. You got to get an apartment, you know, oh and you you can't quit. And there's no other jobs and you have no training or skills and you're not going to college. So I just figured I will dig these ditches for as long as I have to, but then I I will learn carpentry because I would like to get inside the house and like start hanging some doors or something Mm -hmm. and doing some crown molding or something. And, um, and also I can get from, you know, seven, eight bucks an hour to, you know, 12 bucks an hour. If I'm, if I'm an apprentice carpenter or 10 bucks an hour, or some, whatever. So I just said, well, that's what I got to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, my boss told me if I bought a pickup truck, I was riding a motorcycle. If I bought a pickup truck, he'd pay me another dollar an hour. So I bought a super beater old Mazda pickup truck and, and I, and I started buying tools and just start, trying to ingratiate myself to the carpenters and try to help them and mm. learn and you know they'd always kind of go like hey go back out and dig you know and I, I, just, I walked in after about two weeks I went and bought myself tool bags you know but I, I talked to the other carpenters I need a tape measure and a chalk line and a all an with a W and uh waffle and hammer von 22 ounce hatchet handled hammer like whatever i i know all the tools I, Whoa. the guy told me to get speed square combo square whatever i got you it you just
2: build your own house i can that's cool and i
1: i like walked in onto the job like on monday morning i was like hey i got my tool bag you're like and guess
2: who went to home depot yeah
1: and the uh the former is like, hey, those are hot. Yeah, nice. Now take them off and go back outside and get in the hole. He's like, have you ever know? seen
2: the movie Hole? So That's going to be you today. Right.
1: And that's what it was. But Stop. I I worked my way, you know, up the ladder.
2: Okay. So you eventually got to do the inside of the house, yeah, whatever.
1: I became a carpenter. And
2: then so when did this whole thing come about with you getting into comedy?
1: I was like in my early 20s and I was kind of looking down the road a little bit and i was kind of like i was kind of like um well, well what do we got here like let, let's you know let's assess things mm-hmm. like well what are you good at what are you bad at well, You can't read you're shit student you're not gonna go train to you know be an attorney or a doctor or mm-hmm. any professional airline pilot or you know all that professional stuff out the window you can't mm-hmm. fill out an application but- <laughs> really so like what 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 is it and i was like well i'm you know i'm good with my hands uh-huh. I, I know how to build stuff and i was like yeah but like i i've seen this world like if it rains you don't work you don't get paid right you know you work on one job you finish the job is there another job it's not really like having a job you're kind of nomadic you have yeah. to just travel around from house, to house you get your tools ripped off you know you 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 go to the bathroom in a porta potty, you drink out a hose, you know, you s- you sit on Disgusting. drywall, you eat on a, you know, you don't sit in air conditioning, there's no food, there's no, there's no anything. So there's you
2: many- really freaking went through it. Like this is,
1: oh yeah. I didn't
2: know you did this for 10 years.
1: Over 10 years.
2: Over 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So you were like, I can't do, I can't be a lawyer, can't be a doctor. So you're like, I can tell some fucking jokes though.
1: Yeah, I th- I thought yeah, you know what? I think you're funny. I I, I don't just cuz you're a bad student doesn't make you dumb. Mm-hmm. It just it just means that's not your thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're funny. Um but that's going to take a long time to figure out. I don't I don't know if you're going to if anyone's ever going to pay you to tell jokes mm-hmm. or write funny. You can't write. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know how to spell, so how could you be a writer? You're not really I never saw myself as like sitcom material mm-hmm. or network whatever, and I was just like, all right, so i I don't know what it means. I do think I have a sense of humor, so I should start doing something to try to educate myself or to get my skills set up or or to learn the craft mm-hmm. of it while I'm simultaneously feeding myself and housing myself by being a carpenter Mm -hmm. and i was like it's probably going to take a while but i'll i'll do it Mm -hmm. and i kind of set a loose goal even though i'm not i don't normally give myself sort of hard goals but i was like i remember when i was thinking about this i was in my apartment in north hollywood with you know my one bedroom with my two roommates like sleeping on a futon with my roommate and everything and i was just like yeah, you're, I don't know, 22. And I was like, well, by the time you're 30, maybe you could be doing something at 30, mm-hmm. you know, in the field, something, mm-hmm. and then not a famous, whatever, hosting of this, or, you know, making buku bucks. It's just like working with people, something creative, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe you work with an ad firm and you're just coming up with funny slogans or something, something like that. But there would be a, bathroom and a lunchroom and you know be kind of normal like you could get health insurance Mm -hmm. and you could get a week's paid vacation you know construction there's no paid anything there's Mm -hmm. no paid vacation there's no sick days there's no I mean unless you're in a union but I I wasn't Mm -hmm. so it's like you could go play a pickup basketball game in the park on a Sunday roll your ankle not come in monday morning and that's it they replace you, know, you yeah you, you know they i mean like i was a good enough carpenter and worker and stuff that mm-hmm. i was sought after a little mm-hmm. bit but you wouldn't get paid yeah like and you know you didn't even have to phone in like mm-hmm. there wasn't a there wasn't a phone
2: it wasn't like hey i'm not gonna make it today They're like yeah nah, whatever it was just like yeah you didn't
1: come in on monday you didn't come in on monday but you don't right. get paid for monday that's that's the way it worked it was very sort of utilitarian or something like it was like it was like working construction that way is like would have been like how jobs were 200 years ago yeah. like you get no breaks no perks no
0: points no insurance no vacations you show up you- today's episode is brought to you by angie go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price Priceline. line this episode is made possible by pwc it's getting hot out here moving the mercury can help move your business pwc helps turn sustainability theory into real world action reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.
1: If you show up and you have to leave at noon because uh, you have to see the doctor or, or just whatever, it's fine. You just get paid until noon. You don't noon. get yeah. paid for that day. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, this seems, this doesn't seem like like a good big it it seemed like the kind of thing i could do while i was single while i was young when i didn't give a shit you Mm -hmm. know i was strong i I wasn't worried about anything roommates and everything else but i was like if you're doing this when you're 40 that's gonna be really old Mm -hmm. like you're you're gonna hate this Mm -hmm. so i just went "I'll, i'll do comedy i'm gonna think about doing comedy so i didn't know where to go or what to do. I didn't really know anybody. And I, I talked to a friend of mine who's like, the dad did something creative and the mom did something creative. And, uh, I just said to her, can I talk to your mom about like what I knew she was kind of in the industry a little mm-hmm. bit. And she was like, well, why don't you take a groundlings class? Groundlings. And I was like, oh what's that you know it's like a, a troop, like an improv troupe where you make stuff up and you, you know you go off the top of your head and i was like oh well, yeah i could doesn't involve reading you know it's like no you just make shit up <laughs> and i was like oh that, well, that sounds pretty good i think i could do that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um you know, I went down to the Groundlings and, like, watched a show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, look, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I n- I, never thought about being around these kind of people. But was it
2: expensive back then? Because when I went to do it in, like, 2005, it was, like, $400 a month. And I was like, dude, that's, like, half my rent. Like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't afford it.
1: Yeah, it was the same. It's always expensive.
2: <laughs> so fucking expensive. Like, all my friends were in Groundlings, UCB, like, all that stuff, Second City. And I wanted to so badly, but I was so poor.
1: Well, here's the thing. So what did you do? Well, first things first, when you're poor, everything's expensive. (laughs) It's true. So, you know, (laughs) a a burrito is super expensive.
2: (laughs) I stole. Did you ever steal?
1: Oh, when I was a kid, I
2: stole everything.
1: Yeah. I was, um, I was like, no, seriously, like when I was digging ditches and I was getting seven bucks an hour and they were taking taxes out
2: Fuck that.
1: and like someone to go on a lunch run and I'd order a burrito there it goes was, half your it, was, fucking it was one hour of digging ditches for, for a burrito, a fucking burrito yeah. right so like everything was super expensive yeah. so um yeah I didn't have the money but it was like you know 275 bucks for you know 12 classes or whatever and I just Got it together. Smart.
2: Invested in yourself. I did. That is a good thing to do, and that's one thing I never really did. I never really like because to me, I, I, it was like four hundred a month at the time, right? And I was like, "Ooh, it's expensive," and I just never invested in myself. And I, I do kind of regret that. I do think that is something I should have done. So that's smart. You did that. So then you did groundlings. Yeah, it.
1: started meeting people. Yeah. that like went to college and had a sense of humor. Yeah, and a new had algebra. A, had a big. <laughs> Past. do you know Al <laughs> <They laughs> never came up but they did they had like big vocabularies and yeah. they would say things and i was like oh well, i'd go have to go look up that word and wow. stuff like that so i did that and i would do a couple of open mics and it's like eh, it didn't really feel right and I was just kind of going about my way. Like uh, if, if a class opened up or a group opened up or anything, I Mm -hmm. would just, I would just be there. But you know, my full-time job was, was carpentry. Carpentry. Yeah. And then at some point I got like a job teaching comedy traffic school. And I was like,
2: what the fuck is that?
1: (laughs) It's traffic school taught by (sighs) comedians.
2: That's amazing.
1: And I was like, I'm going to get some really valuable time. (laughs) in front of a captive audience (laughs)
2: yeah you know
1: during the day during the week you know and you got paid to do it yeah
2: that's dope
1: i that's what i thought so you
2: had to make it funny yeah traffic school
1: didn't make traffic school funny for eight hours
2: oh my god
1: yeah there was a little finesse to that (laughs) but i I i thought if i can stand here in front of this like hostile crowd and maybe make them laugh maybe uh
2: that's good practice. That's like yeah. free open mic. Do you know how many open micers would like give, oh, yeah. give half their dick to do that? Eight hours of a captive audience? Yeah. Amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. I thought I was like hit the big time. And, so then and you did that. I did that on weekends. Okay. But I was, still, I was still a carpenter during the week because I couldn't really support myself teaching traffic school. <laughs> when did you
2: get your break?
1: Um,
2: like how old were you?
1: Well, I was coming up on my thirtieth birthday. It's you know, amazing. I didn't know that. And I made myself kind of the, you know, the promise that I would be doing something by the time I was thirty. Uh-huh. I always loved radio because I would listen to talk radio all the time. And when I was on a construction site, you know, construction sites are like, I always say construction sites are. 15 Mexicans and three white dudes named Mike and half the guys you work with don't speak English and the other half are just kind of douchey valley dudes you know like dude we're going to the river this weekend you in you know like those dudes you know and I was like I wanted to do funny stuff yeah turn a phrase and make people laugh and you know and these guys didn't know the
2: And be witty, and they were like, oh, dude, watch me smash this beer can against my forehead. Sack, and just...
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was them, and they didn't know about the groundlings or improv or any technique or any... Did you
2: say groundhogs? Yeah. Fuck those things, I'll bring my rifle over.
1: That's who they were. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, every guy was named Steve... Yeah. ...or Tom or Mike. Mm -hmm. And they're just, like, dudes from Canoga Park, you know? And and then there was all the Hispanic guys, but didn't really speak a lot of english you know so there wasn't a lot you know wasn't that stimulating for me okay um so i i used to bring my little radio and i've just listened to talk radio i've just Mm -hmm. you know
2: who were you listening to like howard stern was he
1: no not at that time he wasn't out here Mm -hmm. at the time at the time well first things first when you do carpentry the hours on a job site are like 7 a.m. to four. Mm-hmm. They all started at 7 a.m. So that means you get into your truck at like 6:15, 6 6:20, 6 like depending on where it is. I know. I I can't uh, wake up till like uh, 1 p.m. Already <laughs> blows. I know. I got
2: I had to set an alarm to wake up for this podcast at I, 1 p.m.
1: <laughs> I, I I'm I'm with you, sister. But I would get in my car, I'd turn on morning radio, you know, mm-hmm. and I listen to um, Mark and Brian on KLOS or Fraser Smith on KET or or Kevin and Bean later on, on, on K-Rock. Mm-hmm. And and I would listen to all these guys and I started like kind of filling in the jokes or like if one of them would say like, Hey Mark, uh, the, you know, the queen of England is coming to uh, LA. What do you think? I'd, I'd fill in the joke. Like I'd see if I could
2: Beat get to the it. joke
1: yeah, like yeah. or say something funny or like, or they were interviewing some, a porn star or something. Yeah. I'd like come up. And I was kind of like, I think you're faster than these guys are. Yeah, I I think you're but you're never going to get a chance to get in there or meet them or I don't know where the studio is. I don't even know what it is like. You're never going to get a shot at anything. But I just kind of kept pecking away. And um, at some point I became a boxing coach. Later on, I was always a carpenter, but I I liked boxing a lot. And I, I wanted to coach boxing. And so I used my carpentry to get myself into a gym that let me be a boxing coach and
2: are you like a do you know how to fight
1: no i know how to box okay you know how to box so if someone
2: came up to you on the street you'd know how to box (laughs) them
1: i would i would know how to box (laughs) that's awesome that's what's my job (laughs) that's
2: great yeah
1: you want to see how fucked up my hands are
2: oh are they all fucked up At least you don't have a broken nose. Oh shit, your hands are fucked up. Oh, you have the dipinchers contracture. I'm
1: both of them. Are you gonna get that surgery? I gotta have to because like my right, my jab hand is like. Tommy has it too. Oh, from drumming, man. From
2: drumming, the uh, guys, a dipinchers. I I might be saying it wrong, but it's a French a term. It's saying it probably totally wrong. It's a dipinchers contracture, Something. something French, and it's basically when. Part of the inside of your palm, usually by your ring finger and pinky finger, starts to contract and it pulls your ring finger down and it can permanently hold your hand. I got, sort of, This
1: is as flat as I can get. Oh, my, my God. That's my insane.
2: Yeah. yeah. So basically what they do is they. Uh, did you have your consultation yet? No,
1: I don't tell me.
2: Oh, you don't want to know. It's know. so painful. Tommy opted not to do it, but right. maybe you'll do it. But anyway. OK, so I want to hear it. So what was your big break? You did the carpentry. You did the groundlings. You did. Do, now you're a boxing coach. Like when, when does. I when does, was
1: I was driving my truck over the hill with a uh, entertainment unit in the back of it and uh was a listening to Kevin and Bean on K-Rock and they're talking about a boxing match that they were going to have between Jimmy the Sports Guy and Michael the Maintenance Man and I was like I could teach one of those guys to box and if I taught him to box maybe I could see the studio maybe they'd let me come in you know interview the boxing coach I
2: could mm-hmm. go I could
1: I could somehow
2: get yourself in there get
1: myself in there yeah and uh I I would call the radio station and call the radio station. They never returned and my calls. I found out where they were, and I just <laughs> went to the radio station. What's up, stalker? <laughs> I know. And I couldn't get in the building because I taught an early morning boxing class. Just
2: outside.
1: Yeah, it's like a commercial building. Wow. I went there at like 6.30 in the morning. I couldn't get in. Then I um, thought about, you know, what else I could do. And I went there the next day when the building opened at eight and I got in, but then I got up to K rock on like the ninth floor, but the suite was closed because their business hours are like nine to five, you know? Mm. And I couldn't, I was just standing by the elevator going, damn, how did, they're in. I knew they were broadcasting mm. inside the building, but the building, you know, the suite was closed. The unit was closed. I was just standing there and, um, uh, kind of figuring out like do I just stand out here by the elevators for an hour? Oh my god. And then once they open the business for business hours, I can't just go in and tell the receptionist like I need the morning guys to come, you know, whatever. I just just standing there and a guy came up the elevator and he started walking around like the back entrance, like the key card mm-hmm. entrance in the back and he was just going in. I wish I got his name. I, I wish I knew what he was doing, but I knew he was heading into the building to refill a vending machine or something. And I was like, are you going in uh, the building? I was like, yeah. I was like, um, you going to Kevin and Bean's studio, or whatever. I was like, yeah. I was like, can you tell those guys, there's just a boxing coach. Just, just ha- hang in here. I'll just wait by the elevator. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to go in with him or mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. anything weird or pushy. So I just stood by the elevator and I just waited and I didn't know if the guy told anybody or whatever. And then like you know, about 15, 20 minutes later, uh, Jimmy Kimmel just came down the, just came down the hall. He was Jimmy, the sports guy. And he just came up to me and said, are you the boxing coach? I said, yeah. He said, okay, you can, uh, you can coach me to box. I said, okay.
2: Wow.
1: said, uh, when do you want to start? He's like, how about today? And I was like, Oh okay, <laughs> <laughs>
2: damn, dude!
1: Yeah, I know.
2: This is an amazing story.
1: It is a good story. Are yeah. you guys
2: still best friends? Yeah, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, he made my career.
2: Yeah, that is so fucking rad. As someone always kind of does it for you. I feel like, or just gives you that one little. Someone always kind of helps you, but I feel like you did a lot of it yourself because Probably. you were very, <laughs> per, you were very perseverant, mm-hmm. and. You saw a way. You created a path for yourself. You were like, okay, so I could do this. I could go this way and get yourself to the studio. You did that. Not a lot of people would do that, honestly.
1: Yeah, probably not. They wouldn't. Um, But I did, and I was lucky to meet Jimmy and not Michael, the maintenance man. Dead. Uh, so it was good that I met Jimmy, and then Jimmy was super generous, and once I kind of explained to him, like, what i did and you know and he he worked really hard to get me on the radio but he didn't really run the place or right. have a whole lot of juice just had at a the segment. time yeah. yeah so they weren't necessarily going to listen to him right but he he we worked i worked and then we've got me onto the radio
2: and then you guys created the man show together right
1: yeah well once yeah then we were like well we got to do something yeah. ourselves you're like you know? we're a team yeah
2: That's so fucking cool. Yeah. And you know what's so inspiring about your story is that Mm. it wasn't like, oh, I made it at 18 years old. Like you were 30 years old.
1: Yeah. And even then when I was 30, I I wasn't really getting paid to do comedy. I was just volunteering and I was still working as a carpenter. Because I'm
2: like 34 right now and I'm like, well my life's over in hollywood
1: oh no as i I
2: know it and i'm like there's no you know and i sit here and i'm like oh man 34 in hollywood as a female i must might as well be jessica lang like i'm like i just feel like you know what i mean like it just feels you know like but it's so inspiring sitting here listening to you tell the story because i didn't know that i thought you were like 18 years old you know no. Hollywood kid, growing up in North Hollywood, you think, oh, you're going to mm-hmm. be friends with someone who's automatically like in the business or.
1: No, we didn't even. Uh, I mean, I was probably 34 when we, 35 when we began doing the Man Show. So so crazy. There's still time for you. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I doubt you're going to come up with a killer show in the next four months, but. <laughs> I'm not technically. I'm not. I've already tried. <laughs> Technically, there's still time. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So then we was just.
2: And then the rest is history. The rest is history. And so did you slowly just stop coming to the carpentry sites? And then all of a sudden, the people that you used to do carpentry with, were they reaching out to you being like, hey, man, I heard you on the radio? Or like, no, was there none of that? Because there wasn't really cell phones, uh, right? I,
1: yeah, I was working by that time. I was freelancing and just working for myself Mm -hmm. and i had a handful of like clients you know
2: that's so cool building stuff for them yeah that's so fucking cool do you do stuff in your own house right now
1: yeah i do i've done a lot of my own houses and own stuff that's so cool
2: just walk around with a level all day just (laughs) all right that needs a little adjustment (laughs)
1: I, I my eyeballs will do that. Like I don't, that I don't is
2: need, so I don't
1: rad. Level. Yeah. I, I'm mer- at a certain point, I, you know, I was kind of like, look, the rough carpentry, the earthquake rehab work, the rough stuff, the foundation stuff, like mm. digging, like it, it's too dirty, it's too it's whatever. Dirty. So I got into finished stuff and cabinetry and mm-hmm. building custom cabinets or beds or units. You know, I just yeah. built custom shit for people. And, um, I would have like, Katie Seagal, I love Katie Seagal. I would go work on her house. All the that time. is crazy. Yeah.
2: Was this before the, ra- this is before you got on the radio. This was yeah. like previous to that. Yeah. And building her cabinets or whatever.
1: I'm trying to think with her. I I think I did a bunch of, maybe some garage cabinets, definitely some problem with a gate. She was having to like rebuilt the gate.
2: So you were kind of like a full on handyman. Like, you know how to do handyman stuff. Like if I needed to, change a light fixture, you'd know how to do that or no.
1: I wasn't like repair the toaster oven guy. I was more like swing the doors, build the fences, build the gates, build cabinetry. Yeah, I would build more woodworking. Yeah. If you wanted a custom bed, I would build you a custom bed.
2: Wow. Yeah, I did a few of those.
1: That's when I became enamored with the gay lifestyle because I had a couple of clients who were gay and, and I was like, I built the uh, one guy bed and he's like, and I want you to build my partner bed. And I was like, We well, already got the bed. And he's like, he's got a separate bedroom. And I was like, I think you guys are on to something here.
2: What why did they have separate bedrooms? Because they just it's slept just better like, separately.
1: Yeah, i I mean, don't well, you know. It's like one guy wanted to stay up late and the other guy wanted to go to bed early or whatever. And mm-hmm. they were just like a gay couple. So they're like fine.
2: I mean, I will say this, as much as I love sleeping in the same bed as my husband, when he he wakes up really early in the morning. Like six a.m. Mm-hmm. I wake up at like twelve p.m. Mm-hmm. But when he gets out of bed, I get the best six hours of sleep.
1: Yeah, because you
2: can just stretch.
1: That's out Ron and, and Ron just... and John did that. Ron and John, <laughs> 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 dad, my gay couple.
2: That's amazing. But
1: yeah, so I I did all that for a long period of time. I was you know I'm happy. I have a skill. Yeah, it's you know, a, a huge, and it's nice to kind of know you know, when you're working on your own stuff or even if someone's working on your home or whatever, installing something or whatever, you know, I'm not going to spend all day putting in a sliding door, but I know how to do everything and I know what is. And, uh, and I've done it. I mean, I've done it in my houses, you know, remodeled a lot of houses over the, over the years because I always had kind of a passion for it. I just didn't want to do it for a living. You know, and it's really cool to do your own place, but it sucks doing other people's places.
2: Because it's not yours. It's like you're doing all this hard work and making something so beautiful and you you don't get to keep it.
1: Yeah, but do you want my worst day?
2: Yeah, I want your worst day. Worst day ever.
1: My worst day ever is I was working, painting commercial office buildings in Century City. Mm Mm-hmm was one of those jobs I got I think right before I got my construction job where would you like to make 7 8 bucks an hour just painting the inside of a uh, attorney's offices mm-hmm. on like the 22nd floor of the tower in Century City or whatever mm-hmm. and I was like yeah I I would but I don't have a car I didn't have any transportation or anything so I borrowed my friend's motorcycle mm-hmm. and I had to be, we work four days a week, but we work like 10 or 12 hours a day. We'd work from like 6 a.m. to, I don't know, 5 p.m. Oh just painting, just painting Jesus. the whole day. It was super miserable. You're just
2: breathing in paint fumes for uh, fucking 12 And the hours. guy
1: worked with his name, Andy, and he was a Jehovah's witness and all he, we couldn't listen to rock. We had to listen to like Christian rock, you know, Wow. It was a bummer. <laughs> oh my God. And it, it it was a super it was a full blown bummer of a day just sitting in the just standing in the same office, just yeah. spreading the paint around with Andy. And uh and I so I pulled up to Century City, my buddy's motorcycle, and Century City parking is like twenty bucks a day or whatever yeah. it was back then. And there's no place to park because it's nope. like it's Century City, you mm-hmm. know, there's no side street or whatever. So I was like, I, if I pull into the parking spot and go up, make seven bucks an hour, when I come down, it cost me 22 bucks for parking. That's half the day's pay, you know? So I took the motorcycle and I just like kind of parked it around the side against the big cement wall of the parking structure, whatever it's like up on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll, I'll leave it here. And then I went and painted for 12 hours. And then at the end of the day, it's like 5 o'clock. And, you know, I come down to the motorcycle, the motorcycle's gone. I'm like, oh, was the motorcycle stolen? Or was it, like, impounded because I kind of parked it in the wrong spot or whatever? And then I just walked around the Century City Mall until I found, like, the security hut. And And I was like, hey, I had this motorcycle and blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, yeah, I had that impounded. And I was like, ugh. What a dick! I know, and I was like. And by the way, when you impound a motorcycle, put a stupid sticker on the ground yeah. or something. Like I just thought it was stolen. It wasn't my motorcycle,
2: right?
1: So, I, I said, well, where did it go? I lived in North Hollywood, California. Yeah.
2: They always impounded at the fucking furthest place. Yes, yeah,
1: he's like Santa Monica. Oh my I'm like, god! Oh, god, and I'm like, okay now i have no money i have no credit cards i have no cell phone i have i have no anything so i just start walking down like little santa monica Boulevard. Like, like i just start santa walking monica. well i can't go to santa monica because right. i don't have any money mm-hmm. or any way to get the bike out of the impound yard Jesus. so i i just start walking toward north hollywood but it's way on the other side of the hill and you can't walk from century city to north hollywood but Again, I don't have a cell phone or a credit card. I got nothing to do. There's no Uber. There's I can't call a cab. I don't have any money, mm. so I just start hitchhiking down, down Santa Monica, and sure enough, it's fella, big convertible Cadillac Eldorado, like picks me up. It's like, hey, fella, how are you doing? No. Like, well, it's Santa Monica oh, Boulevard. <laughs> I'm like, all right, get in the guy's car, and he's like, I realize important. Piece of gay code back then he goes he goes my apartment's right around here you want to get high
2: stop
1: and i thought oh want to get high yeah i think because you can't say like you want a blow Fuck, job yeah, but yeah, you yeah. gotta go you want to get high mm-hmm. and then then i would go yeah i'd like to get high yeah. and the next thing you know we'd be in his apartment getting high you Yeah. Know? but i was like nah, I, I think i'm good and he's like fine and he he drove me down to laurel canyon boulevard and so i made it from Century City down to Laurel and I but now I got to get up and over the canyon so now I start walking up the canyon.
2: <laughs> oh my god Adam this is a fucking nightmare <laughs> I'm
1: hitchhiking it is like I've now I now left my house at like 5 30 in the morning it's now seven at night you worked you
2: know? a full day you're tired full day
1: so gassed out I I was thumbing my way up north uh, up Laurel Uh, ended up a a piece of good news. Some girl I went to high school with saw me named Stacy and like picked me up in her Toyota and drove me back down, you know, over the hill, maybe even to my house. So that was pretty good. Wow. But now I got back to my house and it was like eight o'clock at night and the impound yard had my buddy's motorcycle and the motorcycle was going to cost like 65 bucks to get out of the impound yard.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say like 300.
1: Well, this is back in the day. Yeah. Maybe it was 80 bucks. I didn't have a penny. And I had no way to get from North Hollywood to the impound yard because the motorcycle I borrowed was impounded. Mm-hmm. So I borrowed 80 bucks from somebody, which of course meant that the entire day's work would Gone just go into motorcycle. into the motorcycle. God. And then I got a ride to the impound yard at like nine at night Uh and then i had to ride the goddamn motorcycle home from santa monica back to north hollywood which ended up being 10 o'clock at night and then i had to be in century city at six the next so what did
2: you do take the bus next time
1: now oh god that is a damn good question i cannot Remember how I got there the, the, the next time. You, it would take you seven hours to take a bus from North Hollywood to Century Dude, City. Dude, this
2: is a fucking nightmare. Ugh. That was, sounds like the worst day ever. It, it
1: certainly It was super long, had a bunch of work in it, a bunch of walking and hitchhiking. A bunch of surus because i was like oh it's your buddy's motorcycle yeah. like what if it's fucked up and he
2: and let you use he it. let me
1: use it you got it impounded mech mixed with this if you would have paid 20 bucks for parking you would never be in this position right now yeah mixed with that guy who got that motorcycle towed like i want to kill shit. it right
2: i want right. to straight up made that feel guy feel so bad i've been like do you know how hard i just fucking worked for two dollars an hour motherfucker I like,
1: never damn. did any of that. I was I just know. like, the bike's gone. He did it. Thank you. And you didn't you start could never. Walking. You
2: could never call your parents to help you.
1: No, no. They Why? Um, what did they do? We just had, they had established a kind of a relationship, which is don't ask me, don't ask us for anything.
2: Both of your parents, your mom mm-hmm. and your dad.
1: Yeah, that was kind of the deal. and And we knew it, me and my sister at a young age. So we just—they wanted to be left alone, and we left them alone. But no, you would never think I'll call my mom and she'll lend me some money or she'll bail me out or, or whatever. Another time I got a motorcycle towed. <laughs> I oh did. God. Well, this could even be more miserable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're like start remembering all this depressing shit. I'm just making. Well, you—you you
1: you reminded me of my mom because it was a funny thing i i kind of tried it with my mom now my yeah. mom i didn't ask her for anything are I'm your
2: parents still true. with us or no yes they are both they're of them?
1: super old
2: god bless you yeah are you guys they're... cool now
1: no not really i mean <laughs> we're not n- uncool we just we don't have a we never had a relationship
2: are you and your sister close yeah because you had to bond together right because it was kind of like
1: she ran away when i when i don't know she was like 14 is
2: something. she older than you
1: She's a year older. Okay. Yeah. So, do you
2: ever wonder, like, and do you ever ask your parents, like, I don't know if you ever said this to your parents, but like, have you ever, like, why did you have us?
1: I'm sure it was a mistake. I Judging by their behavior, it <laughs> had to be a mistake. There's no way they could have wanted these things and then treated these things this way. But so
2: glad you're here, though. Yeah, See? me too. Oh, yeah, the I'm fine. For everything. <laughs> Are you fine? Yeah.
1: I mean, I just grew up in this weird world. I just can't imagine that because
2: I I don't have a good relationship with my mom. I don't we're working on it, but my dad raised me and my dad Mm -hmm. and I are so close and I used to think all the time if I didn't have my dad, Mm -hmm. what would I have done? Because I can't imagine having two parents that don't really want you.
1: Well, you get really independent, Mm -hmm. like really fast. You have a little bit of a syndrome where no one's going to take care of you. Because you go, well, your parents don't take care of you, so why is anyone going to take care of you? So you get this thing where like, okay, I'll go to this guy's house and, like, eat dinner, and then I'll go sleep over at my friend's house. Wow. your parents I'll didn't go, even
2: make you dinner?
1: Mm, di- no, not really. I mean, they, they, they didn't do the sort of traditional thing
2: Like families, like, it's 6 yeah, p.m., yeah. let's no, all sit down and no, have
1: dinner. No. no, I always remember that when I would play, like, basketball with the boys you know at the park or whatever the schoolyard and at some point like during the summers it'd be like 6 o'clock and the, all the guys I was playing with would be like oh alright 6 o'clock yeah, gotta I gotta, go home, I to gotta go home and have dinner yeah. and then I'd, I'd like going like I'd be like yeah me too and then they'd all just leave and I'd just <laughs> sit there going I, I don't have to go home whenever I never had to go home
2: what would happen if you went home and you went up to your mom and you were like what's for dinner <laughs>
1: she sometimes there'd be stuff sometimes there wouldn't be stuff she'd just say if you're hungry you'll eat you know Did, like was, you can figure they it out
2: put food in the house like was there food for you no nah, really? nah,
1: it was it was it was sparse because my mom was kind of a health food not hippie and so there was like lentil beans and you know weird (laughs) sprouted peanut butter or something (laughs) with no salt or whatever. It's like not anything a kid (gasps) wanted to eat. So I would just go to other people's house.
2: And did your parents hug you and kiss you or no? No, never.
1: No, not there. There there were weird kind of cold. People, they're not not what you'd want in a. You would not wish them upon anybody as a parent.
2: This is unreal to me, not
1: mean people you know not like alcoholic bad people mm-hmm. whatever just dead just like nothing just like it's like not having parents
2: like just not even like merry christmas christmas tree no or i don't know you're, nothing Christmas just presents. all
1: all the stuff you you think of like a vacations yeah. or christmas trees or family outings or whatever no very very sparse, like, you know, maybe to go to Sizzler once a year or something, you know, something like that. Just no money, no hugs, no food. No hugs? No nothing. Well, here's how, like, detached I was from my family. I had college scholarships. I had offers to play football at, like, don't you know, Cal Poly Pomona, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, uh, Pacific. Uh, Marshall, it's like a weird schools, weird, but but decent enough schools. Uh-huh. And people say like, why didn't you take it up? And yeah. I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, didn't, what didn't your dad like know that you know you are getting these, you know, could have gone to college yeah. for free, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, he wasn't paying for college either way. Like, it wasn't wasn't like he was going to save a hundred grand on college. He wasn't going to pay for college. You know,
2: so he didn't care what you did.
1: No, no, I had, I had like scholarships and papers and stuff, and I'm just like, nah.
2: And you never showed them.
1: I used to sort of passively aggressively, or maybe say, a a a cry for help or something. Yeah. I would leave some of the paper, some of the like recruitment letters or something, like on the kitchen table, as if so they would find them yeah, you know or like see them or whatever or and they never it never came up
2: what were their jobs
1: uh my mom was a welfare person and my dad taught like special needs like teacher
2: he was a special needs teacher
1: kind of basically yeah
2: don't you kind of have to have like compassion to do that to work with like special needs kids
1: i don't know there they weren't like i said they weren't bad people they were just bad parents that you know
2: sucks yeah it sucks. how are you not so depressed like i would be so depressed
1: i was like i just got independent like really fast wow. like i just got kind of resourceful and independent i was just like well you want food and you know there's not much here so your buddy chris his mom made is making pork chops and i like go go to chris's house and you know and your house doesn't have air conditioning and it's hotter balls but uh ray's house has air conditioning go to ray's house you know and that i would just do that it would just float around did you you
2: ever go over these people's houses and get bummed because you were like all their moms like are so cool giving making you know, apple pie and stuff like that or snacks and whatever. I, I was
1: I my friends had, you know, led a pretty modest life mm-hmm. um with, you know, their own share of family problems, you right. know. But the mom would make dinner and, mm-hmm. and 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 yeah, like I would go to some kids' house or my football team and they have like a nice house and there was like food in the pantry and like I remember very clearly, like just staring at the mantelpiece, and like the family was they took one of those ski vacation pictures where they're on top of the mountain and everyone's got their arms and like skis yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, oh, where would you get skis? Yeah. You know? <laughs> What's that like? How do you even get there? Like, and
2: you're on, on your mantle at home was just like a jar of chickpeas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't even have a mantle. <laughs> So this is
2: crazy, dude. I, yeah, I would
1: it would kind of, I would, you know, it would kind of bum me out when I would see all the yeah. families and the vacations and you know that kind of stuff. But I was also like, you know, their families have got it worse than than me. Has you know? this
2: made you a better parent, though? Like now, are you super like into your kids' lives and very like you know everything that you wanted from your parents to your kids?
1: I am a pretty good parent. I am very much um my parents were a full-blown bummer Mm -hmm. everything was like we have no money and uh, you know and they were sort of sulking around the house and there weren't hugs and they were never like (laughs) silly or fun or loving or whatever yeah and so i am intentionally kind of playful with my kids and fun and just stuff like i wanted a dog so badly like when i was a kid but we couldn't get it and we never got a dog because like they would have had to feed, feed the, the dog. dog, and like <laughs> we don't con- need another mouse. <laughs> con- Chris's mom feed the dog, <laughs> oh, so my
2: God.
1: it was like no dog. <laughs> the and- dog's
2: eating quinoa. It's like <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wanted like a you know basketball hoop and a dog, and, and so I of course give my kids you know Everything all, the, all that want, yeah. all that junk, but but the main thing I do, I I do it a lot. I just like I screw around with them, you know, and and I say to them. Like, look at you. Look at this life. This is awesome, right? And they go, yeah, it's pretty good. And I go, mm-hmm. what would you rather have any other mom or any other dad or any other dog? Like, uh, I mean, this is awesome, right? And they go, yeah. And I go, good. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's dope. My family was such a full-blown bummer yeah. all the time. It's just like a bad 70s movie. You know, I was like, you know, it, it was such a bummer mm-hmm. that I'm like, Make your kids think you're glad they're here. Yeah,
2: make them feel wanted.
1: And don't, like, and also, like, you know, you got your problems, you got your trials and tribulations. Don't throw it on the kids. Like, Mm -mm. my parents were like, oh, God, you know.
2: (laughs) Can't pay the mortgage.
1: (laughs) Well, we didn't have a mortgage because we didn't have a house or an apartment. We just lived in this second ramshackle shotgun shack that my grandmother owned and let us like flop in it my mom just like laid on her bed like the whole thing it was oh my like, god it was like ugh. yeah it 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 was it was bad did you
2: have a bedroom
1: i slept on a porch at a
2: oh like a closed-in porch
1: yeah we had a service porch it was really little <laughs> oh my the god. problem with sleeping on the porch is the hot water heater was on the porch and the washing machine I slept in the same room that had the we didn't have a clothes dryer because mm-hmm. I was like considered exotic you know but wow. we did I did my room was the porch with the washing machine and the and the water heater oh and the meter the house meter oh yeah the guy who read the meter would have to come into my room <sighs>
2: while you're sleeping
1: <laughs> <No.
2: Hey. laughs> he molested me move over kid I gotta no, ch-
1: yeah he It was just, it was like weird Green acre stuff. You were just like like, in
2: the, you were just in the everything room?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I had a door in the back, was like the back door, it was like to my room and like the meter guy would just bang on the door and let the guy in and walk in your bedroom. Imagine walking in your bedroom and like moving clothes that were hanging. I don't think I hung any clothes, but just opening a closet and like reading the meter and then walking back out again.
2: That's awkward.
1: It's weird. Yeah. And
2: look how much, how great your life turned out.
1: Yeah, it's good. Did your
2: parents ever go, we're proud of you? Or like congratulations or like, we can't believe you're on TV or whatever. Did they ever ask you for anything or?
1: Yeah. Later on when I did stuff, they would ask me for stuff, but they never really, they never really got into it or they don't really know. I I don't know what they know. Okay. I always say that. I have no idea.
2: Do you see them a lot or not really? Hmm. Not
1: really. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't have anything against them right. per se. It's just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, why are we hanging out? Like, yeah. what are, what is this based on? I mean, <sighs> I don't see your parents ever, right? Right. Because I don't have a relationship with them. Right. But they didn't really raise me mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. My parents kind of raised me, you know. So, like, I kind of see them.
2: Yeah. But
1: it's not. it's not like there isn't that much to go over you know what Do you i mean
2: ever feel like sometimes and i think this is so interesting and i've only like noticed it as i've gotten older is that like someone can be your parent but they can be almost like a, a stranger yeah yes it's interesting isn't it like, i have
1: nothing in common with my parents yeah. they don't know many things about me yeah. they have no we have no common interest yeah. and they don't have any interests and I don't have any interest in them. Like it's just yeah. purely a biological procedure.
2: And then you kind of make your own family in life. Oh Either yeah. Your friends and your wife or your husband and that's your family. You make your family. You kinda choose your Yeah,
1: family. I owe my friends I counted on mightily because I was like oh boy there's nothing to eat at your house there's nothing to do at your house there's no you want to hang and no one ever wanted to come over your house (laughs) nobody wanted to come to my house like nobody (laughs) and and you guys
2: want to go look at the meter (laughs) yeah
1: come to my room read the meter no they you know and also like i wanted to laugh i want to tell stories my family you can't talk to them they don't laugh if you tried to like tell a
2: joke they were just like
1: now they don't they have no sense of humor and they have no and so i was like i, I like cars i like stuff i like mm-hmm. tools like mm-hmm. and i would just go to their house and i would use their garages because like their dads had tools and stuff and i'd fix my bike and stuff but i would i would just do everything at everyone else's house yeah. and then that was my family like my my friends and then you get older and it's kind of weird because your parents are kind of like hey you know what about it you know what i mean like why don't you visit more and it's kind of like well what are we
2: yeah what
1: are we talking about yeah and then people kind of go well you should just do it anyway and i'm kind of like but why <laughs> well my thing is <laughs> I, I mean my if thing they weren't great like, to you. Th- that's that's something they established a long yeah. time ago
2: yeah
1: and that's you know and, it, and it's fine
2: it's so funny i'm like I said, I'm so close with my dad and, and we talk every day and my mom and I are working on our relationship. But it's so interesting to me because I have so many friends that are similar to you where the, one of their parents was just kind of like, like want nothing to do with their kids. And mm-hmm. then they get older and they're like, well, you don't care about me. And it's like, well, you didn't it, care about me when I was younger. So what what's the, you
1: know. It's earned, man.
2: Yeah, you set the tone, right?
1: Well. Honestly, like I think I think to myself all the time, like if my kids, when they became adults, if they thought of me like I think of my parents, I would fucking kill myself. (laughs) I know
2: that's so sad. I they mean, definitely just, don't think that way of you, and they definitely not Well, won't. if
1: they do, it'll be on them, because yeah, I will be like, able to I did provide everything. countless receipts and yeah. photographs, and...
2: God, what about this trip? Like, what about you this basketball net? See this lanyard? Net? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: That's the time we went backstage at the Acoustic Christmas, or yeah, whatever the hell. Yeah, exactly, right.
2: yeah. yes. Aw, dude, I've loved having you here. Yeah, this, this is This was great. such a great talk. We went over an hour. Well, You're so amazing. I'm, I'm so glad to know your story. This is your I'm true real When's, life story. This is coming out in three weeks. I'm going to go
1: jump in your bed <laughs> and I'm going to put the comforter over me. And I'm going to wait for Tommy to come back from golfing.
2: Dead. He'd be like, what the fuck? And
1: I'm just going to wait. And look, if he doesn't go to bed until later or he doesn't go in the bedroom at all. <laughs> I'm so dead. I'm just going to lay there until that. he comes back. And then I'm going <laughs> to surprise him when he comes in. Okay.
2: just here for hours maybe <laughs> he doesn't come back well, no
1: maybe he comes back and wants to take a shower oh my in which God. case i would surprise him then but if he wants to do his cooking and you know watch his shows and then come in you know several hours i will just be there dead just be laying there Have <laughs> the blanket over my head you I don't want to
2: go in our bed
1: i will i'm fine you I might
2: need a, a a shot after you get i up. slept
1: on a service <laughs> porch and then I my next room was a garage and my other room was a attic. So I, I can <gasps> I'm ma- I'll so make I'll make
2: dead. Oh my God. I've loved having you here. Okay, so you're on tour right now. Where can everyone go see you?
1: Oh, you go to AdamCorolla.com.
2: AdamCorolla.com.
1: You'll find all the all the information. And you know he has his and-
2: podcasts. He's touring. Follow him on Instagram. Give him that Instagram love. If anyone's, you know, related to this podcast, go let him know you're related. Leave a nice comment. Give him the hugs he didn't get as a kid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Dead. The> virtual <laughs> hugs. The virtual hugs.
2: I love it. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I will see all of you next week, hopefully, on another episode of
0: When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's angi.com.
1: So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.